Okay, here we go. Here we go. How many times are you going to say like? Is that a new thing now? Fuck, thanks a lot. Nice of you to tell me now. Okay. <clears throat> who told you Who told you that I say that too much? Because I know you didn't come up with that on your own. No, I did. I doubt it. And that mic needs to get way closer to you. God, just shut up. Welcome to the Fellowship. Adam Hawk here with Ryan Engel, and 2024 is off to the best start imaginable. Parts, how the hell are you doing today? It, is it really? Yes. It's okay. off to an incredible start. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think we just got back from what I would comfortably call, without hyperbole, my favorite round of golf ever. Did Mina have fun on this trip? She had an okay time. She had an okay time. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get into it, but Ryan and I are back from La Quinta Country Club. And we're golfers now. We're golfers. We're golfing in the new year, 2024, big golf year. Some are saying it's the biggest golf year there's ever been. And I would agree with everything that those people are saying. We just got back from La Quinta, California, out in the Coachella Valley. It's what novices refer to as Palm Springs. Does it bother you when people call the entire valley Palm Springs? No, because... Sometimes some ill-informed, incorrect, lumping in, stereotypical jargon kind of gatekeeps itself. They usually stay a little bit away from Indian Wells. Uh. <laughs> Keep it quiet. Keep the kooks away. Go downtown. Go have fun. Go get dinner at Lulee's or whatever it's called. Take your picture in front of the in front of the big windmills and go to some crowded restaurants down in Palm Springs and go enjoy that. Have a fun time because I'll be over in the no wind cove of the Indian Wells Country Club. I know what windmills are. I don't know what wind meals are. What are wind meals? Whatever, dude. Oh, you got me. You just love to hear it. Oh, look at I'm so excited. Yeah. Good job, dude. My God. You you know what? If that makes you that happy, go ahead and have that. Before we get into our trip out to the desert and the amazing round of golf with Pat and Kazire and Ben Martin, just a couple of PGA Tour pros, how are your New Year's resolutions going? I wrote them down. You wanted to eat better, lift more weights, and get right with Jesus Christ. How's it all going? Actually, good. I was on a roll, and then I went out for Shay Tradwick's birthday weekend in the desert, and it was a full debauchery. But I didn't do that bad, you know. I drank about 400 scotches, had a few beers, didn't really work out, but I kept the diet somewhat on the protein scene. I was at least mindful, and I uh, thank the big man every day, first thing in the morning upstairs, to just enjoy this day, and thank you for that. Wow, wonderful. It's starting, Adam. I'm not all the way there, but since getting back there, being here at work, having some weights here in the office, and having a little more control, and not a full party scene in front of me, doing a lot better now. Thank you for asking. How are yours going, Adam? Well, when it comes to not tipping on remedial service transactions, I am batting a thousand. I'm guilty of one thing. Sorry to interrupt, but I got one yesterday at the, God, where were we? Can't remember, but the options were up there and I just went lowest possible, 10%. Gotcha. So it was in my mind. I saw it and I was like, I felt bad. She was nice, you know? So I was like, I'll give you 10. Nice. Well, you save some money and you're coming back towards zero. 
Yeah. Again, I told you this is the year of the stiff. Not on great service, which I tipped a lot at LG Steakhouse this weekend. God, you just love to eat it, don't you? Don't you? But on remedial service where you're just doing your job. So that New Year's resolution is going well. Not procrastinating is going extremely well. The analogy is I'm just passing the basketball back. You know when people say, hey, the ball's in your court now? Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing. You want to send me a text? You want to send me an email? You want to get up in these DMs and put your burden onto me? Ask me a question. Ask me to do something. Have a task for me. I just tackle it immediately. And I just pass that basketball right back into someone else's court. Are you a good passer? Yeah, I throw dimes. Is that how you say it? I don't trust your hands. That's fair. I trust your willingness to want to be a good passer. I just don't physically think you're capable of doing it well. Yeah. So the procrastination or lack thereof is going fantastic. The not tipping is going great. Monetizing the podcast has not materialized yet, but that's just because I haven't had the time to devote to it Mm. at the moment. But everything else is going great. And the reason 2024 is off to such an amazing start is because of this trip that we took. If you listen to the podcast, you know that after Christmas, Pat and Kazire invited Ryan and me out to play golf with him and fellow PGA Tour pro Ben Martin at La Quinta Country Club. Patton is in Hawaii this week. So instead of flying from Georgia to Hawaii, he flew from Georgia to the desert to get a practice round in at La Quinta Country Club in PGA West before flying to Hawaii so he could cut that trip in half, then come back and play the courses that he played the week before. Incredibly smart, and he had a foursome to fill out So he invited his favorite desert dwellers, Mm. and it was great. Now, this trip was discussed last week. Ryan, you encouraged me, come out early. Come out the Friday night before. Don't wake up at 3 in the morning in Fullerton to drive out for a 7 in the morning tea time. Come out the night before, figure it out, invite your wife or ditch your wife, one of the two, and guess what? Old buddy boy pulled it off. I told my wife, hey, you've been at home with the kids for three weeks. Old buddy boy. That's me. Old buddy boy pulled it off. You've been at home with the kids for three weeks. Why don't you treat yourself to tagging along with your favorite guy in the entire world out to the desert? We'll get a hotel room. We'll hit the pool, hit the jacuzzi. We'll leave Friday. I'll take a half day at work. I'll wake up and play golf. And guess what, honey? I will be back before you wake up. None of this materialized. We'll get to that in a second. We didn't get in the pool or the hot tub. And I didn't finish playing golf before she woke up. However, stayed at Indian Wells Resort Hotel, Desi Arnaz's old place, Mm. and got a reservation at LG's, the steakhouse, went over there, had some cow. Guess what? I ordered an Uber to take me to LG's La Quinta. A good old six-minute Uber because I was going to be swimming in the gin martinis. Oh, God. And I didn't want to drive on the 111 back to Indian Wells no matter what. You know, there's Shooter McGavin, famous golf movie character, but you get the gin out, the botanicals, Shooter McAdam. <laughs> he starts coming out, and he comes out double guns a-blazing. So on our way to LG's, the Uber driver, her name was Marsha, and she pulled up in a compact Hyundai, She was spouting off. She was very opinionated. She saw that we were going to LG's and she decided to tell me, hey, I'm from Brooklyn. I grew up with a real chop house and where you're going is pretty budget. It's pretty cut rate. The food's decent. The service is terrible. LG's is not a real steakhouse. (laughs) 
kind of car did she drive? A Hyundai Accent. Interesting. Yeah, and she had a lot of opinions on steak. I bet you that's a pretty nice car in Brooklyn, though. So maybe she was going to the chop houses. What kind of pastures do they have out in Brooklyn? They get good cows out there? Didn't think so. <laughs> Beyond telling me that LG's was not a great place to have a steak, which is so incorrect, she also told me that a real man does not order a filet. Yep. Well, at least she got one thing right. Now, this is something you've been telling me for a while because I go with the filet. And she said, at least get the porterhouse where the filet is on one side of the bone. And I the mean, meat. that's a little too much. That's like, like a John Candy steak. Yeah. So... Didn't know, but that cut of meat has the filet on one side of the bone and the New York on the other side. And yeah, that's a lot of steak. And considering that my wife and I don't get our steaks prepared the same way, it's not like we could split that. So I just went with the New York. And the New York is the steak of choice for one Ryan J. Engel. Classic steakhouse order. Yes. I've been over this with you. If I'm making a steak at home, I'm looking to see what the ribeyes look like. And sometimes there's too much marble in them. And the cut's a little weird because they're taking off a big chunk of this cow and they're dividing it up. And you never know which one you're going to get inside there. And I hate when a ribeye is just a little not to my liking and then the, the round of it, the little ring that's usually a little more tender, you know. Sometimes that shrivels up because it doesn't cook as even as the second one. So I'm picky about which ribeye I like. So in theory, ribeye is probably my favorite if I get to have my pick of the litter. New York at a steakhouse usually a little thicker cut. So when you go medium rare, you really get that nice, nice red in the middle. And if the chef knows anything, you always put it capped down and cook that fat up. So you get lean bites, fat bites. Without seeing what cut you're going to get and you're at a nice steakhouse, I have better success. I, I just think it's a better order. Just give me the New York charred rare, baby. Love it. I had the New York. I loved it. I had two gin martinis. I love those. I think mm. I sent you a picture of the shooter guns coming out while I had the martinis going. Tableside Caesar? Tableside Caesar. Oh, you love to get it. You no love to see it. Nothing like Marsha the Uber driver telling you there's bad service at LG's and within five minutes they're whipping up a tableside Caesar at your table. Yeah. Amazing. Marsha, she dropped you off and went right over to the beer hunter and had a basket of chicken fingers and fries. <laughs> Shout out to the beer hunter. Yeah. No uh, windows. <laughs> yeah. You're Go downstairs right. and shoot some pool. <laughs> yeah. So we get back and decide to go to the pool. And in fact, we wrapped up dinner kind of quickly so we could hit the pool, which closes at 10. And by the pool, I do mean we wanted to go to the hot tub. We got a poolside room specifically to just be able to walk right out to the hot tub. We go to the pool and there's a sign. The pool area is closed. What the hell? Walk right to the front desk and say, what's going on here? And he goes, yeah, pool's closed tonight. And I said, why? And he goes, do you really want me to tell you? And I said, I would love for you to tell me because I specifically booked this hotel, this room, and got out of dinner early so we could do what we want to do right now. Why can't we do it? And he said to me, well, sir, some little kid took a giant shit in the pool earlier today. He said S-H-I-T? I don't know what he said. He used the bathroom in the pool. Used the bathroom in the pool. Yeah, and duty. Yeah, and they're not closing the pool down for people pissing in the pool because there's plenty of adults who do that. I didn't know it was Caddy Day uh, at Indian Wells <laughs> Resort. So that was just going to be a chlorine bath that no one needed to take. Went back in, went to sleep, and let me tell you this: I didn't sleep a wink because I was so nervous and so anxious for our tea time with the two PGA Tour pros 
that I, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, when you have something so early in the morning and so consequential, you wake up on the hour every hour thinking that you slept through your alarm. You're, you cannot quiet your mind. I don't care how many gin martinis you have. I was waking up every hour on the hour, scared out of my mind for what we were about to do. So I didn't sleep at all. I got ready in the dark via cell phone flashlight light. Anyway, so we drive off to La Quinta Country Club. We're excited, but both of us are violently hungover, super tired, and it's pretty cold outside. We get to the club so early that the gates weren't even open. Yeah, they weren't ready for us. No, they weren't. They weren't. So what did we do? We had to wait for some- We waited for a guy who works there who was driving in, and we whipped around the palm trees, came in, and just snuck right through the gate. (laughs) It was great. We, We sneak into La Quinta Country Club. We scout the area, looks amazing, and then PK and Ben Martin and Ben Martin's caddy Luke roll up, introduce themselves in the clubhouse. Obviously, we know Patton, but we've never spent this kind of time with him. And man, I was just so excited to get this day started. So excited, so nervous, and didn't know exactly what the day was going to be. Were we going to be in their way? Were they going to be dropping balls like you thought that they might during a practice round? What kind of game was I going to bring in these ice-cold, frigid temps? In La Quinta. It was about as loose and casual round of golf you could ever have. I cannot give them enough credit for how quickly they put us at ease. I felt like if we didn't have that whatever match we decided on that we played, that I don't even think we would have all, them included, been keeping score. Yeah. It was literally felt like that loose. It was just like taking turns and sharing stories. Right. And what did Patton Kazire show up in? Shows up in a nation crew neck and a nation hat. What a legend. Unbelievable. So, folks, he's coming from Georgia, and he's making a pit stop before Hawaii. He has 9,000 pieces of golf apparel he could choose from. Not only does this mean that he packed the nation crew neck for this specific golf outing, which meant so much to us, it also means that he has previously worn the crew neck because professional athletes do not wear anything to do their sport or game in that they haven't previously tested out. They're not going to put on some crew neck that restricts their swing or that they don't like or the weight isn't right. He has worn this before and he packed it and he wore it again and he showed up to La Quinta in nation. That was all great. That made my day too. And even now looking back on it, that's, that's crazy. My takeaway from the day, especially when it comes to Patton, is that whole experience really resonated with me because everything that I'm always constantly squawking about and fighting for, you don't have to lower the decorum or be less of a gentleman or be less, quote unquote, stiff or uptight or by the rules and not have fun. And Patton was an absolute gentleman. Like he stoked us out. He was proper about the whole thing, cleared it with the club in there. We let members go through. He was constantly aware of all that. Even at the lunch in the locker room after that, he'd be in mid-conversation with us. But if the member was like chiming in on him, he would just like pause and give them his full attention because it's their place. Besides all that, we were just cutting it loose. And perfect example of tucking in your shirt, being an absolute professional, and still having more fun than the guys who look like dumbasses. And act like them too. It just was good to see how I strive to be in action with someone on his level. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was uh, very inspiring to take that home. Yeah, and, and you're, you're not crying right now. You just have a frog in your yeah, throat. Yeah, I have something in my throat, but I could cry about it. Oh, speaking of crying, I got to get back to this. Let's go back in time for a sec to the night before dinner. This is so embarrassing, but I had two gin martinis, and I started talking to my wife at dinner about how much I love her, and I brought this up because we recently went on an end-of-the-year vacation trip, and we took a picture on the beach together that was very reminiscent and imitating of a picture that we had taken together 10 years ago on a different beach, but we're standing on the same side, same pose, kind of very similar style of clothes, and I saw these pictures side by side earlier in the week, and I was like, wow, here's us in our 20s, and we're both looking as good as ever. I'm at least 50 pounds lighter than I was. I don't have gray hair. I still think she looks better today than she did then, but she's clearly younger in this picture. And this is a picture that from 10 years ago, we've always had in our house and looked at and been like, man, I wish we could look like that again. But then I see this picture from present day that looks a lot like the picture we took 10 years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, society wants you to strive towards what you used to look like. Always look your best, keep it young, inject yourself with Botox, dye your hair, blah, blah, blah. But when I look at the picture where it was recently, I'm thinking, this is a picture that shows we've lived life together. We have lived 10 years together, brought two kids in the world, had ups and downs, blah, blah, blah. And it shows, like it shows that we have aged together. And I start expressing this to her over dinner. And apparently I start like welling up and tearing up and crying. And look, I don't know how much of that was the gin, but she starts like laughing a little bit. Like, are, are you crying right now? What is wrong with you? Anyway, so I just got to make fun of myself for that because it sounded like you were crying talking about Pat and having decorum on the golf Yeah, course. I was crying for sure. It was, a, it was a wonderful day. And, you know, those guys were obviously trying to play good, but we were all present for the experience with one another. At the end of the day, being genuine, being authentic, it's really the only way. Yeah. And Joe Etter, Patton's former caddy, still a good friend of ours, a guy that we sponsored for two years on tour texted me right before the round, said, hope you have a great time out there. Here's a little something to keep you focused and in the moment. If you make five pars, it will kickstart a bet. And every par you make after the fifth par, I will pay you $20. If you make a birdie, it will automatically kick you into the bet. You don't have to make five pars if you make a birdie before the fifth par. I was never going to make five pars, I don't think, so I wasn't expecting to get paid. But on number seven, a par three, which we took a picture on the tee box, the four of us together, you can see it on our Instagram, at Nation Golf. all of us threw some darts within 10 feet of the hole. I was the closest, so you three went first, and you three burned the edge. And guess who made the bird? The only one out of the four. The true PGA Tour pro. Yeah. Made the bird, kicked in the bet with Jetter on hole number seven, and all of a sudden, your boy has 11 holes to rack up some cash. Went on to make four more pars, and Joe Etter Venmoed me $80. And let me tell you, folks, there's nothing like a person Venmoing you money when you owe that person $4,000. Mm. I played okay. 
the <laughs> scorecard's not going to reflect that. I shot a 91, which is fine. But the three things that I wanted to do, keep up the pace, not embarrass myself, and don't get in the way. And mm. I think all three of those were accomplished. I mean, you can speak to it. You were there. Did I accomplish those three goals? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. And you played, in my estimation, great. But I think for your standards, you didn't like the way you played. Yeah, I was just rusty. And when you're playing a course that you've never played, although I do know the holes, you've never gotten into the turf out there, you know, or into the dirt, as they say. They've got that place dialed in for the pros next week. So the greens are slick and firm. So, you know, you're missing greens and stuff and you're chipping around. And I was giving myself looks at par, but I mean, you know, you're just not going to be whapping all those in from like 10 feet and shit, you know? Right. It's hard when it's like cold, your swing's rusty, you don't really know what the ball's doing, and then you're just like scrambling for pars and just, fuck, I was on the bogey train. I don't even know. I might have bogeyed the first five holes or something like that. I still had a blast. Super fun to watch the pros do their thing that up close. And I don't get the sense that they were taking it that seriously. No, they weren't. They were just, they were going through the motions, probably just getting comfy and maybe even taking some mental inventory of the holes and what they plan on doing and familiarity 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 (laughs) being familiar (laughs) getting familiar with just being on those holes and what you're going to do you get a feel for it and i think that's what they were doing more than anything let's talk about complimenting people during a golf round whether it's your playing partner that you've known forever a stranger that you get paired up with well i this was the only prep i did for this week and i i took some notes and this was my takeaway watching them and it's it's stuff that i already know but it's just solidifying that feeling and i I think it's really important and you see these guys like Patton, they're pros they've been around it and they've played at high levels and they just are seasoned they're seasoned in so many ways, but one of the main ways that that I really took home was, you know, when you're playing with your buddies or, you know, how I was saying the other week, when someone's getting mad and throwing clubs on the course, you have to be seasoned to know how to pocket that stuff. And when you're playing with your buddies, you get excited when you birdie or I birdie, or maybe you're a little jealous or competitive and you're like, fuck, I got to get it back next time. When we both had those holes where we played good and I birdied that one with that little carvy six iron that almost went in. And they were so genuinely stoked for that because they're seasoned. Like they know they're gonna get their chances. They know they're gonna they're gonna have plenty of birdie ops. They're not tripping in the moment on competing against one another or the score or this and that. And like I feel like amateurs are so focused on now, 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 and the now is important in golf. But my takeaway from theirs is they're just so seasoned that it's like, we got a lot left. I got a lot more coming. And that made them genuinely so stoked for us when we did have those, which made us feel amazing, you know? And so it's, it just fed into this positivity. And that was kind of my big takeaways. I was reminded that they're really focused on the big picture just as much as the now. And that just takes being so seasoned, whether you're competing, betting, or just playing for fun. I think those are the most important things about golf, because if you can't be excited for someone else's success right in front of you, and you're throwing clubs and you're all upset, like, what are you even doing out there? 
totally agree. And they were very excited for us when we hit marginal shots. It was great. Yeah. It was genuine excitement. I think PK was more excited for my birdie on seven than I was. Right. I was relieved. He was genuinely excited. But what I was going to talk about is not their complimenting of us, which was great, but our complimenting of them, specifically mine. I am one of these golfers that says nice shot almost after every decent shot to people. I like to let them know that I was paying attention to it, that golf is hard, and if they do something marginally well, I say nice shot. And this is with people that I play with or strangers or whatever. But I quickly stopped myself from doing that when we were playing with these guys because I don't know what a nice shot is for them. They could be in the bunker and hit one to six feet, and I say nice shot, and in their mind, they're like, that should have been to six inches because they know what they should have done from that lie with that pin position, with the green sloping towards the hole. And so I complimented Ben on one of his bunker shots that I would have been over the moon about. Over the moon. But... It wasn't up to his standard. And I told him, hey, Ben, I'm sorry. I'm one of these guys that says nice shot a lot, and I don't know what your standards are or where you think that ball should have wound up. So I'm going to zip my lip for the rest of the round, but just know that I'm pulling for you inside my head, okay? You told him that? I did. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't want to keep saying nice shot if he didn't like the shots he was hitting. Right. And I also didn't want him to think I was being an asshole by being tight-lipped the entire time. I just said, I'm, I'm going to sit out the play-by-play if that's cool with you. And he just smiled and laughed and said, all good, man. We're just we're having a good time out here. Yeah. So that was great. You mentioned it earlier. Patton Kazire, an absolute steward of the golf course and the country club. This is a country club that put him and Ben and us out during a Saturday morning round in the peak season. And we went to the tee box after a frost delay to get going, and some other members rolled up, and Patton said right away, you guys go through. It's your course. I'm a guest. And then he turned to us and said, you got to get in where you fit in. And he picked up some trash off the ground when he saw it. As you mentioned, he went and engaged with every single member there. Didn't just give them the time of the day, but asked them what they were up to, what they were doing, complimented their golf course. In the men's locker room, he was chopping it up with another member about how the greens were rolling. Those are the kinds of things that members love. They get a pro out to their golf course, and their pro is giving them all of his attention and letting them play through, staying out of their way. He was overly humble about his presence out there. Yeah. And that was really cool to watch. He was totally aware of where we were and whose guests we were. Right. And that's just a great example to set for everybody. My kind of guy. The only regret I have about the day is that it ended. I thought you were going to say what you ordered for lunch. No, I had a chicken ciabatta. I followed, you liked that? I followed Ben Martin's lead. Yeah. If you're going to a club for the first time, eating there for the first time, you got to just start with the club sandwich. You got to see where their club sandwich lies. One thing I did notice about the way Southern people order Cokes, you know, we'll say, hey, give me a Coke out here. Pat and Gazire, can I get a Coca-Cola? Every single time, full name, Coca-Cola. It's like a Canadian saying NHL. It's always, this is the National Hockey League. I had a Coca-Cola also. With rum. (laughs) I just had rum and lime in it. (laughs) I think you almost hit for the cycle. You had whiskey in the morning. I got you a Bloody Mary with vodka. Then you went for rum. Was there any other spirit in there? Did you have any tequila or brandy or anything? I did later in the day. Nice. Because the party kept going. I went over to Shay's rental, Mm -hmm. started getting into it, went out to uh, the nest that night. It will be the last time I ever go to the nest. I'm sure the nest once was a great place when the decorum 
of the gentleman out was more elevated, but now that that has lowered, put it this way, they had SWAT-like security at the nest. We're sitting at a 10 top having dinner, and there is a security guard in all black tactical gun, mace, handcuffs, bulletproof vest, black head to toe, black flex fit hat, security across his back, earpiece in, walking around the dining room. The whole time, every time we walked by, we'd be like, this is fucking weird. And then when we finished, we went out to where the dance floor is. You know, We spent about five extra minutes in that place. There was five more of those security guys everywhere. The charm is gone. We walk outside to go get a car to get back to the house. And we're like, we'll just party at the house. And all the people are lined up out there waiting to get in that place. I already have seen it gone downhill over the years. This was the last time. For those that don't know, The Nest used to be an iconic hangout. And Steve Elkington, 10-time PGA Tour winner, two-time Players Champ, and 1995 PGA Championship winner, told us once that when he first went out to play the Bob Hope Desert Classic, he asked one of the clubhouse attendants, where do the pros hang out in this town? Because it was his first time out in the Valley. And the clubhouse attendant, this was back in the 90s, said, well, Mr. Elkington, they hang out at this place off Highway 111 called The Nest in Indian Wells. And Elk went there, and I don't want to butcher the story, but when he walked in, he saw Arnold Palmer, Bob Hope, and Frank Sinatra in the back, playing piano, singing, drinking, having a great time. I'm sure that was a little different experience than what I went through. Absolutely. And he said at the time, this is my spot. This is where I'm going. And there was a time where the nest was like that. The nest has somehow kept up this allure for people who are visiting the desert. But in my estimation, the nest is like the NFL and the city of Los Angeles. Everyone feels an obligation to pretend that they like it. Yeah. No one really does. There's not yeah. a single person in the world who likes LA, the NFL, or the nest, but yet everyone acts like they do. Yeah. Pure pressure. Exactly. It's funny, like out there on the thing, it's like top 100 restaurants in America. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Was this when America was 13 uh, states? Is it even a top restaurant in the Valley? Is it a top restaurant on the block? So this was your first time playing La Quinta Country Club, despite the fact that you have walked it many times. You've been to the desert a million times. You grew up going out to the Valley and your best friend, Tommy De La Soul has a house on number two. This was your first time playing La Quinta Country Club. Your thoughts? It's everything I like about desert golf. It's a true desert golf course. Yeah. Impeccable, great views. It's just a classic design of all the more modern ones or the more like prestigious ones that I've played out there. And I'm sure some of them are better than others. They just don't have that same charm that Bermuda Dunes, Tamarisk, Indian Wells, Laquina Country Club. That's just, when I think of like driving two hours out there and getting outside of my little bubble of life and getting into that little swanky bubble of life. That's just the kind of golf I want to play. That's that's the type of course I like. So I was, as they say in Buffalo, over the moon. I can't wait to go back. Great part about all that. Played Indian Wells the next day. And I went up to check in with Mark Winstrom, who's been the starter at Indian Wells. He's seen everything in the desert since the early 70s. I was like, Mark, I finally got to play Lakina and... I loved it. It was so, so bitching. He's just like, oh, that's great. I can't believe you haven't played it before. And he's like, you know, Ryan, I do a lot of favors for those guys over there during the Hope. So their members have somewhere to play. So if you ever need anything, I'll set you up out there. And I was like, noted. 
hey, Tommy, you want to join me? I got to force them over at Lakina tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, hopefully we can taste the good life one more time. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. What do you think about my decision to put into play a Kirkland Signature Golf Ball at La Quinta Country Club with two professionals? Par for the course. Did you get those at the Fullerton Costco? <laughs> Was it a double pack? <laughs> what a good time. What a great time. Uh, Let's talk about other golf. I didn't watch any of the tournament out in Hawaii. I know that Chris Kirk won, which is really cool because yep. he runs in the same circle as Patton Kazire and Joe Edder and Brian Harmon. So that's really cool that Kirky got another win. He's on fire. Saw Kevin Kisner in the booth, just the highlights being posted on social media. He seemed to do an amazing job as a commentator. And you actually made it a point that Patton Kazire has a future as a broadcaster. Dude. He'd be amazing. He'd be so good. Yeah. He's effortlessly funny. He's great got, voice, great, great accent. Yep. With, gentleman. Yep. But he's also one of the boys. Yep. He'd be great at that. And dude, you could you could groom him well. Tell you what, Patton. Go ahead, invest some money in Nation, wear it on tour as a part owner, and then we'll switch you as the, the business flourishes. Adam will train you to have your next career lined up in the booth. You got the best producer. He could be your personal producer, kind of like a news anchor. Off to the sunset, baby. Wow, I appreciate that, Ingle. Yeah, I would love to do that. PK, hit me up Yeah, <laughs> when you're done playing, and let's go make this broadcasting thing the real deal. You mentioned him becoming a part owner in Nation and wearing our apparel. Let's talk about a real-life apparel change. A shocker, really, I guess. I guess think we're supposed to care about this. I don't know. After 27 years and $2 billion paid out, Nike is officially out of the Tiger Woods game. I don't have a lot to say about this other than you have famously said many, many times that Nike and Tiger Woods ruined golf. Now that that partnership has dissolved, is golf fixed? <laughs> no. The confetti's all over the floor and shop vacs don't exist. So have fun picking up the pieces with your little bitty fingers. You Any know? idea on where he might go? He's part owner of TaylorMade. Is he? Yeah. They're going to launch an apparel brand with those guys for sure, which won't matter because Tiger's line with Nike never sold. It was dog shit. I mean, Nike Golf from the get-go, if it wasn't for the Jordan golf shoes, they never made money. That's why they got rid of everything. They got rid of the clubs because it didn't... Didn't even sniff what Serena's racket sold or whatever else they make, you know? And even back in the day when like, you know, early on when Nike was kind of cool, at the same time, you could just go to Ross and get the same shirt for 30 bucks. It was discount to begin with. Never was really, really nice stuff that just the sneaker heads are just all convinced and in the same kind of trance that the swoosh is the best and this is the best way. Tiger stuff never sold. His shoes didn't do good. He was like the LeBron James of the golf division. Shit didn't sell. Jordan's stuff sells like crazy. I'm not surprised that they're parting ways because he didn't really do that great for them as far as like his line selling. And plus, they would make stuff for him that they didn't even sell. Right. Like he always had his own custom cashmere sweater mm -hmm. that you couldn't buy. Let's be honest, dude. Tiger's style is bad. Sure. And it's always been bad. One of their former athletes, Jason Day, just got with Malbon Golf. Malbon is becoming a 
pseudo household name for people that never knew it existed or only found out about it a year ago or so. You have extensive history, not with Malbon Golf, but with the actual owner, Stephen Malbon. You guys have known each other for a long, long time. And he is a friend of yours. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I extended, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but you guys have played golf together and you've swapped many, many messages way before his brand started to take off. I don't know if you have an opinion on Malbon getting with Jason Day. I'll say this. I think a lot of people look at Nation and expect some kind of hilarious crackback or shit talk. And I guess we could do that in this situation. But on a personal level, and I'm not speaking for you at all, I want to congratulate Malbon on this signing. I'm not a Jason Day guy and I'm not a Malbon guy, but as a fellow entrepreneur in the space, it was hard enough to sponsor Joe Edder. And not because Joe made it difficult, but you have to find the money and find stuff that this person likes and stay on top of that and everything. I can't imagine what it took to sign Jason Day. So congratulations to Malbon for getting that done. Again, not my favorite player, not my favorite clothing brand, but just knowing how much that probably took to get done. The R&D, the fittings, the meetings, the money. The fittings? You think they worked on that fit? This is what I'll say. I'm really stoked for them and for Steven's success. For the general consumer, it looks like a big win for smaller brands, which is good, but that's not actually what it is. I mean, Malbon has, from the beginning and especially now, has a big group behind him with big bucks. They're not just like snowballing these drops and making hand over fist and growing this business from zero. They're well invested, which is just like any of those big brands signing these contracts. But aesthetically, to the general consumer, it looks like a big win for the small brands. If we're going to be honest, they're not a small brand. Let's be clear here. A little guy didn't sign a pro player. That's not what happened. They're not little guys. Nonetheless, congratulations. My biggest thing is I get it that the 90s shit's coming back and Baggy is in, but when you get samples in and you have fit models, try them on, and you adjust cuts and patterns, they should look like they're somewhat tailored. He looked bad and everyone was roasting him. It's not just because it was Baggy. The, The fit didn't look good. Even the shirt was just a basic shirt and the shoulder seam was just like halfway down his biceps. It was ill-fitting stuff. And it wasn't like, you know, Cole from Metalwood getting like period correct 90s stuff and wearing it and like looking fashionable. He did not look fashionable. He looked sloppy. Anyone who's not on the Kool-Aid, if you're looking at it with a an honest lens, would agree that that was a sloppy, sloppy look. But it was a big moment and stuff. I think that they did that on purpose. Why? Get everybody talking about it. If it's something that looks cool, now you're just playing the game that do you like it or do you not? And that's the traction you get. When you do something that's shock value, everybody's squawking. Interesting. Everybody was talking about Jason Day wearing Malbon. He stole the show. And you're not going to get that unless it's there's some controversy. And the controversy was that it was very, very opposite of what he's looked like in the past. Two orders of business and then a philosophical question for you as we get out. Our high crown tour visors, the best visors in the business, the visor that Keith Mitchell ordered just to cut up and reverse engineer so he could steal our visor. That visor is on flash sale right now. Nation Golf 
com. Go to the sale page. These visors, which normally sell for $35, are currently what? 15 Is that right? I think so. Yes. 15 $15 for most of our visor offerings. So this is your invitation at a very cheap price to become a visor guy. And we would love for you to help us clean out this inventory at a massive discount price. You win by getting an amazing visor to great price. We win by starting to consolidate the visor offering. Our loss, your win. We're bad looking. You're not. We're poor. You're rich. We're dumb. You're smart. Come and get it. So nationgolf.com visor flash sale under the sale tab on the website. Second and final order of business. We won't go too far into it. The Nation Desert Classic. Everyone is asking about it. This is our annual tournament celebrating its 16th year of existence. Congratulations to you Mm. for putting on 16 years of the best tournament in the world. Everyone asks, when is it? Just remember this. It's always the first Saturday of May. So that is May the 4th this year. Third and fourth. Third for the draft party, fourth for the classic. If you tell a Star Wars joke, you are instantly banned for life Yeah, from this tournament. But that is your date. The save the date will be coming out very soon across social medias, and then the invites will go out. The invites first go to a select VIP group that has been playing in this tournament for many, many years. Whatever's left over then goes to the public. And then if you don't get in, you join the wait list. And every single year, at least 10 to 15 people. Yeah, the wait list has turned into a good good option. Yep. 10 to 15 people will drop out and you will get an opportunity. So make sure you are tuned into our social media accounts, that you have joined the email list, that you are in the text club, and you are fully aware of the Nation Desert Classic tickets going on sale. The date again, May 3rd for the draft party, May 4th for the classic. Are you excited? Yeah. And we have a couple little uh, things up our sleeve. Every year we try to make it a little more memorable than the last. Very excited for this this year's rendition. It's our Sweet 16 celebration. Should be some more opportunities for some memories. Can't wait. Philosophical question for you. Everyone knows I work a nine to five outside of nation. Got to go pay those bills. I work for the Southern California Golf Association. I go into the office once a week And I noticed yesterday, as we are now in the ninth day of January, many, many desks that haven't been returned to since before the holiday break have various Christmas presents on them. Christmas presents that were dropped off for these employees. These employees haven't been back to work since. And this is because we work in the post-COVID era where most work is done remotely and people come in once or twice a week. I go in once a week. My philosophical question to you, Ryan Engel, is when, if ever, is it appropriate to start taking these Christmas presents off these desks? <laughs> well, they got to show up first. They're just leaving them there and looking at them? No, they haven't come back to work. Because well, yeah, that's some, the problem. Yeah, some of these people don't work at all in the office. And that Christmas present, which could be candy, gift cards. You know what you should do? Whatever. It's just sitting there. Here, here's the answer to your philosophical question. You go in there early the next time you're there, and any presents that have been left wrapped, you unwrap all of them, and you put a post-it note on top that says, this was your Christmas present from this guy. I got rid of the wrapping paper for you. <laughs> unwrap them. Leave them on their desk. Okay, but what I'm asking, that's some weird psychological warfare. Yeah, that's that's what you do. It's just like, dude, come on, Christmas is over. 
Yeah. It's, time, it's time to get rid of this shit. Okay, but what I'm asking... Because if they're wrapped, that's still technically Christmas decorations. Ooh. Now, listen. It's too late for that. We all know the rule about the lost and found. If something stays in a lost and found for X amount of time, it then becomes... Whoever. Found? Yeah. It becomes the property <laughs> of whoever is holding it. If we get into the month of February, March, April, and these Christmas presents are still on the desk, am I entitled to start taking them? I don't know about that, but I definitely start playing some office wars, kind of like Jim and and Dwight from The Office. Sure. You know? We're talking about like staplers and jello and shit. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I would take them. That's kind of weird. What if we're into July and August? I don't know. What if one of these employees gets a new job or is terminated before they get back to their desk? Then can I start taking these? Mm. I'd maybe go like company-wide memo, like, hey, any any presents left behind, we're doing an office raffle. What if I am seeing some consumable food items? I Yeah, I think that's fair game. That are coming up on expiration dates. Yeah, if it's like kettle corn or something. Yeah. Yeah, rip it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If it's like a gift card to like Best Buy, maybe not. But if it's like food, chocolates, what are we even talking about? On our way out, who's playing golf this week? Are you playing golf this week? I don't know if I'm going to play Thursday when I go out there. Go out I, where? Tell the audience where you're going. They go don't know. Indian Wells. I have two meetings in the afternoon. I might go out early and try and play like nine holes. I might even just hit some balls just because the kid is rusty. Are you soul searching right now? No, I'm not soul searching. I'm just like, got to get back into it. I'm slapping it. I had a couple good iron shots, but short game's rusty, and I'm trash off the tee. That's the way it is. I'm playing golf on Thursday at this little mom and pop golf course in San Diego known as Torrey Pines. Yeah, good $250 Muni. <laughs> well, they deserve every penny for the shape they keep that track in. Yeah, look how... Look how long we grew out the rough. Oh, so challenging. <laughs> Are you saying you would pass up on an opportunity to play Tory for free? I would rather play in the desert. Okay. I might rather play in the desert as well, but I was just there and I don't have the opportunity to play out in the desert you for do. free. You do. You can cancel. We can go play Thursday. This is a work thing. I'm going down for media day as a representative of the SCGA. Yeah, I'm sure they're really looking forward to seeing you down there. I have a... Can't wait to chalk it up. Oh, enjoy the course. I'm glad we spoke before you went out there and played for free. Well, you're working. Yeah. Another <laughs> reminder, when people are conversing, it's referred to as chopping it up. Mm. So when you say chalk it up, referring to conversation, it's chop it up. Who cares? No one cares. So I'm going to play Tory. What I don't know right now is if I am getting put on the north course or the south course. I have played the north course twice, never played the south course. The south course is the renowned course, the course of choice, the course where the 2008 and 2019 U.S. Opens were played, and the course that gets three rounds of play during the Farmers Insurance Open. So I'm going down for the Farmers Insurance Media Day. Don't know if I'm on the north or south. Would love to get on the south, although it is a very, very difficult golf course cool okay <laughs> maybe those guys in the lawn chairs and the fans strapped to their back will be parachuting all over the cliffs for you so you don't like the paragliders out of tory <laughs> it's just so dumb dude. really paragliding over the ocean in la jolla california or some call it la jolla you don't like looking at those it's amazing 
Is it? Yes. And it's I guarantee, amazing, huh? I guarantee if people were paragliding out in the desert, you would I love feel it. like that's like a noise violation. There's no noise. Yeah, it is. Or... There's a noise. There's no, there's no electrical component to those paragliders. Yeah, don't they have like fans strapped to their back? No, this isn't <laughs> some WWE <laughs> stunt. This is just paragliding. They're on a human kite. Yeah, they're ruining my view of La Jolla. <laughs> <laughs> the view that you wouldn't take anyone up on even if it was free. Yeah, no, I would. Yeah, I would. Wonderful. That's going to do it for us. Again, head to nationgolf.com. Take advantage of the Visor Flash Sale. A huge, huge thank you to Pat and Kazire, Ben Martin, Ben's caddy, Luke, and La Quinta Country Club for having us out. It is, without a doubt, my favorite round of golf I have ever, ever played. So appreciate those memories. And do you have anything to say on the way out about that? More favorite than some of the great times we've had? We had that great time together. Kind of. We were in the cart the whole time. You picked me up. What do you mean, kind of? I wish I would have rode with Patton, to be honest, but, you know, we'll save that for another pod. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you back here next week. Four left.